Do you want me to continue on this? Because I don't want to bore anybody. This is uh, this is interesting. You're you're taking a concrete guy to school here. Okay, well, I, I got to listen. To okay, yeah, any questions? I, I, this is interesting. Stop me, because yeah. Well, I'm I'm following I'm following so far. Okay, because I nerd out. All right, welcome back to the Mac Podcast, where we talk everything about entrepreneurship, business, real estate. You know, everything that can challenge like the conventional thinking. And you know, I got a special guest today because I feel like. He literally challenges conventional thinking in every way. Uh, he's got a Warren Buffett model that uh, is always inspiring to listen to. Uh, he's 29 years old, multimillionaire CEO and majority owner of Abernathy Holdings. Uh, it's a holding company that actually owns businesses and real estate, specifically storage. So, uh, guys, just another guy proving that it can be done at an early age. Andrew, thank you for having Letting you host us in our hotel room. Here. Yeah, it means a lot. I'm excited. <laughs> this is sunny Arizona. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you can't tell from here, but yeah, yeah. Well, you're a North Dakota uh, native. Uh, yep. When did uh, when did you come up here again, or down here to, to Arizona? 2020. Okay, the official official move with the family. Gotcha. Yeah. So you're uh, you moved down to Scottsdale yep. area and uh, decided yep. to move, make the switch. I want to I want to talk about first before we get into like your story, like. What is a holding company? Because I don't think these are talked about a whole lot. Like yeah. you hear the fund model, you hear the syndication yeah. model, you hear all that, right? Like what is the holding, what is a holding company? Yeah. So holding company, yeah, I, I kind of just fell into it. I mean, I was like 10 years old, just starting to raise money at 14. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. So this kind of just happened. It wasn't like that strategic, but looking back, it's, a, it's been an awesome path. So the holding company is instead of a fund, funds have, they expire. You know, five years or seven years, they expire, yeah. they're dissolved, and then people can reinvest in another fund. Or a syndication project, right? Yeah. So per project, that's the project you're in, nothing else. So the holding company model is, it never ends. It's a company, right? It's yeah. a Delaware partnership. Our investors buy units, basically shares, but it's an LLC, so you call them units. Yeah. Shares. In our holding company. And then our holding company owns everything. And that holding company of ours has been in existence for over 10 years. Okay. And some investors have been in since the start. Some have just recently bought in. People are selling buy shares between themselves um, without the company being involved. We have the first right of refusal. Um, but in the holding companies, yeah, we have real estate. We have a chain of the municipal equipment dealerships in the Midwest. We have, oh. you know, whatever we see that can bring value to our to, investors. To the holding company. And so I thought it was unique. I know we've talked about this, but like, you issuing new shares or say, you know, yeah. say, you know, all the companies are worth whatever. It's a hundred dollars a share. You have a thousand shares. Mm-hmm. Um, you can actually issue new shares, which can just reoccur for forever, I guess, you know, as much, as much as you want to raise money and we could buy back and you could buy them back. Okay. And, and the holding company would buy them back or the other members in the holding yep. company basically buy them back. Um, and I thought it's just a unique way because I've been listening to different people, obviously, cash returns and real estate are lower right now. So yep. you can't, you just can't find them with the debt. And you hear these guys making, you know, Brandon Turner just heard him. It's like, dude, I'm making a fund. He's like, I need to put some business in here to float the, the real estate. The real estate is the stabilization. The businesses are the really providing the cash value. So right. yeah, what, uh, you know, and I thought that was interesting. So I want to make sure like everyone understood what a holding company was. Yeah. Um, and this is really like what Warren Buffett does. Correct. Yeah, he had partnerships back in the start, basically funds, and he had seven of them. 
from 26 to mid early 30s, and then he merged them all into one partnership called Buffett Partnerships. And then he was so sick of trying to deal with people liquidating and buying in. So then he bought, uh, he had a large ownership in Berkshire Hathaway, a C Corp, and he basically did a reverse merger somewhat. He's like, hey, I'm down with partnership. Whoever wants cash, you can have it. Whoever wants Berkshire stock, they can have it. I'm taking Berkshire stock, your choice. And that's what he did. And then the C Corp, Berkshire, was his new vehicle, and there was no more issue of this partner wants out or this partner wants out. It was, it was all taken care of for him. And he oh, can wow. compound and grow from there. Wow. And I think it's unique or a another factor. I mean, Warren doesn't believe in distributions. Correct. Um, and there's no, you know, I think that's the way your model works as well. And what, why is that? Like, why, why would you do that? Because everyone's like passive income and I want the cash on cash and, you yeah. know, whatever, you know. He thinks that dividends force everybody to take a draw. And sometimes 10% of the company wants draws or 30%. So you think it's just unfair to force everybody to take a draw, which some people don't want because they have to get the money out and then reinvest it. Well, in the C-Corp, that's double taxation. Mm-hmm. You tax the C-Corp, you tax the dividend, and you put it back in. So it's not fair oh. to the ones that don't want it. So what he says is it's actually more economical to just sell some shares if you need money because mm-hmm. the shares that you don't sell with no dividends will go up more without having a tax filter. So whether you want dividends or not, yeah. selling shares is the most efficient when it comes to value creation, most humans think, well, I have less shares, that's less value. No, because if there's no dividends, the shares that you have left and no tax filter will be worth more than what you've sold previous. So gotcha. That makes a lot of things. So just you're minimizing your tax impact, letting your money compound. I, I would see like even these REITs, I think they're local in North Dakota. Like mm-hmm. most of the people don't take the distributions. Correct. They just so keep them the- within it. Yeah. And so, okay, I, I have a better understanding of that model and why you wouldn't take a distribution. I think everyone invests in real estate to hope, you know, it's like, I need the cash and cash. And I, it's like, is the thousand dollars a quarter really going to make? Yeah. And sell right? a share if you need her. So we, our shares went from 30,000 a share in 2012 to $300,000 a share. So that was a $200 million valuation in our you know, mid this summer. And then we decided to do a split. I plan to never do one again. Okay. But we did a split down to $75 a share unit. Uh, so now every unit got 4,010. So now instead of 600 units, that's okay. two and a half. Okay. The goal would be to get from 75 back to 300,000. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Be. Has, has like Warren done that same path? Has he he never, he's never done a split. But okay. when he, when he, when he had Berkshire Hathaway, it was about $7 a share. And so I did this, but in today's dollars, uh, it would have been 75, so I just did the split to 75 so I could track it. <laughs> inflation adjustment. You, you're you're going to beat them to the race? So hoping. So Gosh. far, so good. Gosh, you talking big numbers. <laughs> I uh, um, And, I mean, it's a lot. I think it's just uh, – I think it's an interesting model that you follow, like, Warren's track. I, and it's a brilliant model. I think a lot of people are pivoting to that type of model. Yep. Just just can't find the, the margins. How – you know, you have, like, a – interesting background because you started really young. You're 29. Mm-hmm. Um, you've done a lot since then. You've had this holding company for 10 plus years. How did you, wh- where'd you start? Like, is this, yeah, I've done some other interviews, you know, I've, you know, the, this, you know, I started farm kid in Lancaster, North Dakota. Okay. 10 years old, started working combine grain card, all the basics, five bucks an hour, <laughs> saved up 4,000, uh, invested in the market, turned it to 80,000 by the time I was 16. Bought some real estate, turned it to a million. I was a millionaire by the time I was like a senior in high school on paper. Didn't feel like it. And <laughs> you know, it's all invested. And then that's when I started raising money. 
Okay. And then, you know, Abernathy Holdings, my wife and I still own 32%, but we've raised $80 million. Okay. Dollars, and now it's valued at about 200 Okay. And then we also have JV Partners, uh, one JV partner, and he comes in on every project for storage and uh, also, so. Yeah, wait, you, you skipped a big part there. It's like, I gotta, hold on, I gotta step back. Like, yeah, yeah. how did you turn $4,000 in stocks to 80? <laughs> like, is this like Bitcoin magic? Or, no, you yeah. know, obviously it wasn't around then, but. Yeah, it was. How, uh, did, how did you do that? Like, how does a young entrepreneur, like, figure that out? Dumb luck. Okay. Uh, I was like 14, market crashed. It's like, what's this? Stock market, you know? Uh, and I bought it March 23rd, which is a few days from the bottom. Wow. And a great recession. I bought Ford at 99 cents. Bank of yeah, I remember that. Again, just done a lot. You must and, have been really young, because I was like... Yeah, I was 13, 14. Yeah, I was sitting in my first days of college, I remember just watching a tank. Yeah. I didn't buy any. Yeah, so I put four grand, turned to 80, and uh, I was 9th, 10th grade in high school, and then, wow. you know, that's when I wanted to get into real estate. And when I was 15, 16, I raised my first 300 grand from investors. Okay. And wow. then that turned into, you know, when I was first year of college, I had 10 million raised from people, and then 20, and then... Now at 80 plus JVs, you know, we've probably raised with bank debt, you know, well over half a billion. Wow. And so how do you, you know, I'm thinking the young guys that are listening to this and, and, you know, it's inspiring them, I'm sure. But how did you like, how did you gain the trust of investors at that young of an age? Because they're like, oh, you haven't seen, you know what I mean? The old guys always got to school you on something. Well, I'm a nerd. So I, they they liked my history knowledge because I've read (laughs) about it, haven't lived it. That's what it is. Right, right. And uh, I think the other thing they liked is I made it a no-win. A no loss situation for them. So, you know, on the first apartment deal, I had 80 grand, and I told my investors the first 80,000 loss can be mine. So that made them comfortable. Okay. And then I also took no fees that were for free for the first few deals. Oh, and then wow. once I had that track record, then I was, um, then I earned my, my right to start taking, you know, distributions and fees. And we've always been a, a low fee company. Okay. Like, I believe that my upside should be by the shares that I buy at the same price in terms as any investor. Gotcha. Uh, syndication deals, for example. Yep. They'll take a management fee, an asset management fee, all these things. Yep. The holding company model, I get a salary and all of that is within. There is no extra fees. And I think that's one of the reasons people are like, how have your shares 10x in 10 years? It's like, because there's nobody taking the fees. Like, it's all to our shareholders. It's pro rata share. Right. Um, so that's been a really big. I think the alignment with the investors, they're like, well, he's not going to fee us to death. Yeah, there's no fees. Yeah. You know, like a syndication or, you know, something like there's some some poor operators out there that literally feed the whole deal yep. front front end, you know, and then, and then expect to, and then if the deal doesn't provide any cash flow, it is what it is. Yep. So I, I do like the alignment that you have, like within every entity, it's just going back right to back end investors. I yep. mean, you're, and you're paid a salary, obviously your share price is going up. Yep. Um, so, so your, your net worth is going up. Yeah, exactly. The, the 32% that I own that's on paper worth 60 million now. I mean, I bought all that for 12 million over the years and, that was just cash from other deals. We've talked about apartments and all the stocks, and yep. I threw my twelve million in like everybody else at that price, and now it's you know, at sixty. So wow! wow. So um, we're going to jump back really quick too, because I want to talk about the apartments. Because you you took you got eighty grand from the stock market, and then you threw it all at real estate. Yeah. But then you mentioned that you were like, it didn't really feel like I had a net worth of a million dollars. You know? What I mean? Yeah. I mean, I still. Those are real feelings. It still doesn't feel like I have an extra 60. Like, <laughs> I mean, we don't do dividends, as I said, and I don't sell stock. So, yeah, I mean, my lifestyle has always been a lot different than my net worth balance sheet. It's just, it doesn't even seem real. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, that was a prime example of my balance sheet said I was a millionaire. But so, I, I didn't feel like it. So, you underwrote this apartment, though, or whatever. Yeah. Took the 80 grand, 
You said you wanted to raise my I tried to get a bank loan with eighty thousand for one point two five property, and he said no. So I had to go raise my first three hundred. Gotcha. When I was fifteen, sixteen, and you were operating that deal, or did you had a property manager and property manager? Because I was in high school and Jeez. three hours away. You know, I was in tenth grade, and so wow. I went down to Bismarck, three hours away, bottom, head back home. And I didn't see him again until we sold him to the city because the oil boom did hit, and uh, uh, the city offered us some pretty crazy money. Ten, twelve months later. Bought him for one two five, sold him for two million. Uh, not much after. Was that a blessing? Did you want to sell it at that point? Well, I mean, looking back, it all crashed after. I was like within a few months, so I was like, oh, they're dumb luck, I guess. But <laughs> after this, I tried to get smart and not lucky because I was like, no, oh, I gotta be smarter, smarter than this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like seems like dumb luck. <laughs> yeah, I don't and, want that forever. And well, I'm sure you earned some trust of investors yes. and yeah, I started did. building that track record. So that's uh, that's super interesting to me. And then. Uh, yeah, obviously now everything you own is within a holding company, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you've never sold shares of Abernathy Holdings. You've only issued new shares. Yeah, so we've we've done some buybacks. You know, we we bought ten, but ten percent of our company back in twenty twenty from shareholders that have been in a long time. And oh, okay. Just up, or they sold some, and then we did. I'm a believer that access to capital and good debt and good capital. At the same time of having access to good deals is rarely at the same time. So we raised out of the 80 million, we raised 50 million of it in 22 and 21. Uh, when oh, yeah. checks came out, we are going to raise money at a good valuation. It's now. So we did. And uh, to this day, right now with the economy crashing, uh, we've got 50% of our balance sheets cash. Wow. So we are deploying. Well, but I'm getting, we're poised to deploy it here as things kind of start showing themselves some good deals. So Yeah, and uh, well, that's you're in a great position. I think I, I was on the podcast yesterday and we were talking about like the amount of dry powder still inside. I think that's what's different about like, and we could talk about where the market's at, but like in 08, there was hardly any money. You couldn't even get bank debt. Yeah, and right now it's, it's tough to get bank debt. It's yeah. Really harder. I mean, right? they're saying it's harder now than 08 to get bank debt. They're saying, which wow. I don't know if that's true or not. But. I suppose they're just smarter now. And, they, yeah. they, and they, they, t- things take time, right? Your first inflation, then interest rates, then the economy. Okay. I think 24, there's going to be a little more pain than people have seen. And okay. it's delayed pain because of the slushy cash in the system. I mean, American savings accounts are dropped dramatically. Okay. plummeted. Right. Subprime auto uh, delinquencies are the highest they've been since 08. Yeah. You're starting to see things crack. And uh, I don't see it getting better for a while. Yeah. So, you know, let's, let's talk the markets a little bit and where they're at. How do we, you know... Let's talk about how we got here and, you know, the, you know, whether COVID was planned or not planned, maybe a whole nother podcast, but (laughs) we'll, uh, you know, what happened in 2020, you know, yeah, basically when you moved to Arizona and like, how did we get to this position? And I think we should go a little further back too. And I don't want to get too in depth in the past. You know, I'm a, I'm a history buff. I think, I think one of my talents is analyzing things. And I think one of my weaknesses is overanalyzing things. So it's a fine line, okay, right? Because keep it simple, stupid, the model my dad taught me. I love the, it. The KISS model. I talk about that all the time. Yeah, so I try to keep it simple. But you know, you go back to the Habsburgs, they were the, they really didn't have a global currency at that time because we were, it was such, it was back in the 1400s. And then after that, it was the Dutch. You know, the Dutch created the first basically stock market and they created the, the, the best ships that traveled the world to get the gold to become the wealthiest. And they were very innovative and everything, right? So they had the the global currency, um, the guilder, whatever it was called, yeah. right? And then you go through six cycles, and um, uh, uh, the powerhouse does, right? The, and 
they went through the cycles and, and the, stage three is the healthiest. That's the most innovative. There's peace in the world because usually a war has been done and everybody okay. know who's, knows who's the, the powerhouse is. Well, then the next one was Britain. British came, the sterling, the pound. That was the new powerhouse, right? Right. Uh, the world power. And uh, same thing. They, they took it from Dutch because they had cheaper labor. Because once you are the powerhouse in stage three, all the incomes, everybody comes up. So it's hard to build and compete. So the next country will just take the same technology with cheaper labor and they can out-compete you. Okay, so then we came. We had our World World War One, World War II, 1945. We were the new world currency, yeah. the dollar. Well, what happens in every single time you're the power is if you are the world power, you basically have the license to print money, okay? And there's your fiat, non-fiat, mm. the gold standard for us, yes. or silver back in the day. So what yep. happens is... You separate a hard asset from the dollar or a currency. The guild, mm. They've all done it. Yep. Uh, Sterling and everybody. And what happens is you have the license to print. And when you're in stage three and everything's great, going into stage four of the six, six, six stages, you start printing money. And uh, GDP per capita is going up and everybody's happy. Everybody, yeah. you know, there's peace and prosperity because the war was just done. Everybody knows who the world order is. Well, what happens eventually is your debt gets too high. And where we are now, we are, I would believe, on uh, the beginning of, we are in stage five, going into stage six. Uh, there is short-term debt cycles, and there's long-term debt cycles. We right. are at the beginning of the end of a long-term debt cycle. Okay. Uh, what happens is the disconnect between hard assets and financial assets. So meaning back in 1970, 90% of the S or the, of the whole stock market was tangible. 10% was goodwill, intangible. Got Today it. it's 10% tangible, 90% intangible. And so what happens is our debt to GDP is about 127%. In 1951, it was 117%. In 1985, it was about 51%. Okay. Mm. And if you look, do you want me to continue on this? Because I don't want to bore anybody. This is uh, this is interesting. You're you're taking a concrete guy to school here. Okay, well, I, I got to listen. To, okay, yeah, any questions? I, I, this just is interesting. Stop me, because yeah. Well, I'm I'm following I'm following so far. Okay, because I nerd out. So if you look at when there is wars, you have a lot of printing of money. Okay. Okay. And after the war, after printing, you have inflation. Inflation goes up. Fed has to raise interest rates short term to spread that inflation out. Doesn't get rid of inflation. Yeah. Prolongs it actually. Okay. So in World War I, we had about a 36% deficit to GDP okay. that year, filled with money, printing. Yep. Okay. Caused inflation. 1940, 45-ish, around World War II, we had about a 22, 24% deficit to GDP. Got it. When COVID hit, it was about 15, 16% deficit to GDP. The difference is, in the wars, the money was sent out for the war. The COVID was helicopter money yeah. over the society, which then inflated all of these assets. Okay. Got it. So the question we have to ask ourselves, fast forwarding to now is, is inflation around to stay? Yes or no, and why? Will interest rates, nominal and real, nobody's ever had to think about real interest rates because inflation's never been around, so right. there, are, there is a difference, right? Because okay. back in the 80s, if you made 20% return, inflation was 18, you really made two. Okay? Gotcha. And in the last 10 years, if you made 4%, inflation was two, you made the same. So 4% return was the same as 18%, 20% in 1980s. People don't think about that. Uh, yeah. Nominal and real. Yep. Inflation is an invisible tax. Right. So uh, I think going forward, what I see happening, Okay. and there's no guarantees. And this is, this is a proof of 
following history. Yes, which I briefly, I can go in a lot of more depth. But yeah, yeah. Just, uh, what is inflationary that's happening and I think will happen? What's inflationary? Uh, wars are inflationary. Printing of money to fund the war. What else is inflationary? Just deficits in general. Right now, we're at about a 5 to 10% deficit to GDP. Okay. Uh, in the interest expense went from number six as a cost for a country to number two, right below military. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we have a $33 trillion debt load. Yep. What else is inflationary? Deglobalization. That is happening, right? Tensions are getting tight. We are past the prosperity stages. We are yep. into the conflict stages. We have inter-country conflicts and separation, mm. gaps of yeah. just people disagreeing, which is very common in the stage. Left and right. Yep. And <laughs> there is no middle anymore. It's no, very tight. Yeah, that is that is interesting. And uh, immigration policy is broken. That's very inflationary. Um, and the, the green energy. So the whole world, believe, right or wrong, doesn't matter. What they're doing is they're trying to go to clean energy. The world has a $100 trillion GDP combined. And they are projecting a five to ten trillion dollar cost annually to go to clean energy. There's another five to ten percent deficit in the U.S. and everywhere. Okay, so now you're at easily ten percent. How do you fill deficits and then interest rates? How do you fill deficits? It's all inflation. So the Federal Reserve is going to have to keep nominal and real interest rates higher than average to keep inflation at that two to three percent. The only way to do it is defaulting. Yep. Or printing money. There's never been a developed country that's ever defaulted. Okay. Because they don't have to. They can just print money. Print money, yep. So you're going to see money being printed. You're going to see inflation higher, higher than average nominal and real interest rates. Yep. And, and they're going to have to inflate away the debt. And what you're going to see is a is the financial assets and real assets coming together over over the in, in the future here. Like a decade? Like what? how long does that take? These cycles usually take decades. Right. And and I'm not saying we won't be the world power. Um, you know, China's on the uprise, we're on the down. So if we can change some things, we'll be fine. But China's they're probably gonna want to do a war to see if they can win and be the world the world power. Oh. And everybody always says, Well, after World War II, our stocks in America took off. Yes, they did. But seven out of ten countries, the seven that didn't win, yeah. their markets shut down for ten years and opened up at zero. Wow. The, even the two other, so there's three, there's three winning countries. Yep. The U.S. stocks went up. Even the two other ones that were still in the winning camp, their, their market didn't even do what ours did. Really? And I am, I'm, a, I'm a believer in America, and I, we are great. We are. But there has never been a, a group in history to ever keep the reserve currency forever. And fiat currency, non-fiat currency, it doesn't work. It's never worked more than 75 years and I wow. with the gold standard was back in the 1900s, so we're kind of coming up on it, and our numbers are showing. Our right. deficits in a bad spot. So, does you know future? I mean, you have you have fiat, you have Bitcoin, you have mm-hmm. you know, which is this disconnect of now Bitcoin starting to surge a little more. Is is that you know you talked about the gold standard? Is that kind of replacing? Do you think, or where does where does like some of this? Cryptocurrency come into play. Yeah, I, I think the blockchain technology and all of that is amazing. I think utilizing it in a pre-existing business is where it's at. What I, I I'm not a gold guy. I'm okay. not. A, I'm not a currency or gold. I look at it like this: if I buy something, farmland, a real estate property, an operating business, if the market shuts down for the rest of my life and there's never again a buyer, yep, that produces me income. Okay. You can, if you take, I think, I think the gold market is like $10 trillion, whatever. If you buy all the gold in the world, it'll be $10 trillion. Okay. <laughs> so let's say I gave you $10 trillion and said, Hey, you have $10 trillion, go spend it. 
you could buy all the gold in the world and kiss it and you know, yeah, yeah, hug yeah. it in your backyard and look at it. It's beautiful. Yep. Well, it's not going to do anything. <laughs> or you could buy, I think, like four Exxon Mobiles, all the farmland in the world, and still have like a trillion or two trillion walk around money. Well, Which one would you pick? Yeah, I right. I'd pick the income producing assets. So yeah. I don't, currency was invented to eliminate the time it takes to barter. That's what currency is. Whether people are paying me seashells, Bitcoin, or, <laughs> or dollars for my assets in the future, it is a, it is a quick, I do that. I buy something else that's income producing that has the economics that I that I enjoy and look for. Right. Um, so I'm, I, that's, I guess yeah, that's well, my and take. Yeah, that's why most, I think money is garbage in, in most cases, yeah, as, as long as you and, own some kind of asset. So, so if I'm listening to this, uh, I've listened through your history course on, on, I mean, did you learn all this from a book or is this like something you research every day? Lots of books. Okay. Ray Dalio is great. Ray Dalio. Ray Dalio. I mean, there's a bunch of people, but you know, I, I read about two books a week usually. Wow. So, geez, you must have like Jim Quick's uh, like reading. You know who Jim Quick is? I do not. He's like the, he teaches speed reading. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I, do, I have an audio one and I have one paper. So I do two at a time. Jeez. Yeah. Not like at the same time, but yeah, like right. same period of time. You're a, you're a beast. Not like uh, at the same uh, time. <laughs> I can't read and listen to different books at the same time, but yeah. So, okay. We know the history. What, what are you bullish on in the next decade then? You know, inflation is going to be grasping. I would say everywhere. it's higher than average. Yeah. So what's going to happen first is, you know, all stocks and real estate are is somebody paying a dollar today and they're, they're projecting the future earnings, discounting it back using the interest rate as their discounted cash flow, right? So the lower the interest rate, yep. the more they can pay for an asset with sure. the same earnings. The same earnings, higher the interest rate, the less you can pay. That's all it is. Yep. So what, you, what you're going to have in the 70s, it was pretty interesting. So I can see cap rates being higher than average here. I think the spread between the 10-year and cap rates of real estate will be tighter. But I think, you know, I think the 10 year is going to be at a four and a half to 6% long term here mm-hmm. instead of the 1.6 to 3%. So, you know, the average cap rate for real estate since 1982 is like 7.62%. Okay. Okay. 33% of the time it's below it. And 63 or 70, 67% of the time it's at or above it. Okay. Every time it goes below it, there's a bubble after. Gotcha. Or late 80s, 05 to 07 just happened. Yep. Right. Now it's starting to come up. So my model is when I can get a, and in development, you need a spread. Yeah. Your yield to cost to projected cap rate. So we're going to continue to underwrite uh, properties in self-storage at, at a 9% yield to cost. And if we can find them, great, which I think we're going to go into a period of those being there, if not better. Right. Um, So that I think real estate's good. Once things correct, we are about there. It's happening. Reality always, it's a delayed reaction. Okay. People are silly. And so I think that's good. But what happened in the 70s is interesting. So when inflation was there for a while and going up yeah, yeah. Okay, in the late 70s, people bid up real estate and there was an inversion. There was the, the cap rates were below the 10-year bond because oh, people it's inflation, inflationary. It's oh. a good inflation hedge. Yeah. And that's what you eventually led to the 91 bubble bust. So if inflation is higher. Now, if it's steady, if it's a steady inflation, uh, I think cap rates will just adjust and you'll be pretty steady, but nothing's ever steady. <laughs> so if inflation does take off and they yep. get behind on it, you're going to have people go and bid in, bid, bid real estate up to, to silly numbers again as an inflation hedge. Again, they'll make money if they can sell it to someone for more. That's gambling, not investing. <laughs> so I think we'll be in the business here. Yeah, real estate. The other thing that's good in inflationary environments is asset light businesses. So like Normont Equipment, our dealerships, okay. uh, 
we've got, we do about a 20 to 25% return on tangible capital. That's total assets. Okay. No goodwill, just tangible. Okay. Total assets. And so every dollar he keeps and or we give him, he sends home back to us, the parent company, 25 to 20 cents. Okay. That is a good business. Yes. Because in theory, two businesses, one has 20 million in assets, making 2 million net. One has 10 million assets, making the same 2 million net. I would pay way more for company B and company A. Because if inflation doubles, mm. you'd have to rip a check for 20 million to double the 2 million. Yes. In company A. Company B, you only got to rip a 10 million dollar check to double the earnings. So again, asset light is better in inflationary times. Gotcha. Yeah, I like that. How many of those dealerships do you own or are you looking to acquire more businesses like that? Um, yeah, so the, I think so. We've, we've told Luke to start our CEO there. Um, we bought the company back in 2015. Started in 1947. He's taken, it was a small business when we bought it. They were doing three, four million a year in revenue. Uh, he's doing 12 now at the one location. We just built a new facility. He's got the processes and the models. So now I can see him starting to probably print another five to six okay. more. So, you know, that, that that's only got five million to deployed there okay. in assets. Yep. So I think we could probably get that business to 50, 60 million in assets. Okay. Uh, and if you can do the same 20 to 30% return on that, that should be good. Storage, uh, cash terms, if we are going to sell and recycle because of the return after stabilization, we could probably shove 100 to 200 million of our holdings cash into that. Gotcha. So uh, I'd say in the next few years, I'm going to have to find a third division because we'll have more cash than that. So Gotcha. So for now, we're just trying to capitalize what we have. And And you, you know, is there businesses that you're looking to go out and find? I mean, is there specific areas you're looking at? Time changes things. I know what I want. <laughs> okay. When it comes to like, you know, the numbers, but I don't have like a company or industry in mind. Yeah. But when it when we get closer, uh, I know exactly what I'm looking for when it comes to the return on tangible capital. And yeah, yeah. And all that. So yeah, I think Brian Lubin. I think I was listening to yeah, one yeah. of the podcasts, and you were you were talking about two hundred fifty thousand dollars net per employee. Yeah, yeah. We we like the yeah, yeah. Employees are tough, so that's why storage is great. Uh, yeah. Farming. You yes. Know, yeah, we look at net income per head. Okay. Um, because uh, people's salaries will in inflationary times will only be pressured higher, and you're gonna have employment issues. Um, I like how you say net, like yeah, yeah, not revenue. People, that should blow most people's minds if you're mm -hmm. if you're listening to this. So a construction company has it. We have a garage door dealership. These are all verticals within our. And I have, a, I have in my mind, I have a real estate division and an equipment dealership division. But inside of those divisions, they also have vertical companies as well within and them. So we incentivize our managers on return on capital, tangible capital. Yes. Uh, and so they have aligned interests with our owners. So yeah, you you're not only just building, you're not hiring someone just to build the real estate. You're building the real estate, giving the garage, you're, you're going to mark up all along the lines. So yep. I think that's what's super unique about your holding company and, and, and just a lot different. It's just so, it just aligns so well. The, the pitch is probably not even as hard with the investors. Yeah, no. And like, yeah, we're going to build this. This is our plan. Mm -hmm. Here's all the companies you get to enjoy yeah. the income of everyone. Yeah. There's no guarantees. We're long-term thinkers. I mean, right now we're 50% liquid cash. Like that's, Two years ago, a year ago, everybody thought I was crazy. Yeah. And now they're like, oh, this makes sense. Like this is, you know, like I said, the time to raise money and get money is always different than the times you place it. Gotcha. Um, there's a Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway. They issued like $6 billion in bonds in Japan at like 0.6% interest four years ago. And they already had $100 billion in cash on hand. So everybody's like, why the heck would you do that? He's like, well, it's 
0.6% for 20 years. Like, <laughs> I'll find a place for it eventually. Uh, yeah, right. Absolutely. Well, and I'm pretty sure that guy's buying right now, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Because he's sitting on a he's, ton he's, of cash? He's getting there. He, okay. Again, it takes, it's delay, right? And, you know, inflation, interest, economy. We are, <laughs> we are not yet. The economy is like the bad news the other day. Unemployment went up. And the market rallied. Uh, there is a there is a <laughs> the market. Bad news is good. Yeah, bad news is good now. Yep. Yeah, we want bad news because yeah. So I, it's just a weird time. I think, I think, I think investing is more about temperament than IQ, right? Like, you know, you don't need to play three D chess or you know you don't need to be that smart. You just need to have temperament. Whether whether a thousand people agree with you or disagree, it doesn't make you right or wrong. Right. Yeah, and so you just need to be able to just, you know, you can get a thousand pitches. There, there's no strikes in business, right, right? And you just wait for the right one. Yeah, you. I always tell everyone, it's like either a trader, like you know, like if you're not thinking in terms of at least five years. Oh yeah, you're 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 just you're just trading business. Yeah, you're you know you're not you're not really like you're not an investor. You're not yeah. an investor mindset because like Robinhood, for instance. Mm-hmm. That app came out. People buy and sell like weekly and think cocaine they're in, for kids, and they're investing. It's yeah. like you're not investing. You're a day trader losing your ass. Yeah, I guarantee it. If the market can't shut down for ten years and you're not okay with it, then yeah, you're probably not investing. Because who cares? You right. Know, I, I'm not in the stock market. I'm not. I mean, we do all private stuff, but it doesn't matter whether you're buying stocks or private. Uh, it's all representing a real thing. Um, so yeah, and I, you know, I'm in true believer that you know you invest for the long term you yep. you don't I, I like that you don't even do dividends and i think it obviously the double tax taxation part i didn't know about but i think c corps most llc's are a little different okay but still the same mindset of just yeah. gotcha and and i like how you can say hey you know i was in high school i I bought some stocks with four grand. I, I scrounged up from farming and turned it into 80. And then you threw it right away into some real estate. Yep. Um, and then all of a sudden you buy the real estate and you're like, geez, I still don't have any money. You know, you have yeah. the net worth, of, you don't feel like it. Yeah. And I think it's always that way as a good investor. You're owning assets, you're building wealth. Yep. Um, and then today, now you have all your assets within this holding company mm-hmm. and you just get a paycheck. You're yeah. an employee of... Yeah, holding company. Yeah, and my wife and I have three beautiful boys, amazing wife. We live a great life. Um, yeah. But you know, I don't think, I don't think the problem with the world is greed. I think it's envy, mm. right? Like envy is so unhealthy. Like if you're envious of this person for this house or this car, <laughs> everybody, someone's always going to have more money. Yeah. Right? And if and if you need, and trust me, we have a good life. But I don't look at nice things as happiness. Like if that brings you happiness, then. Yeah. Good luck with that. Right. It's just a, to me, it's a it's a waste, wasteful time. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you you delayed the gratification. Yeah. To get to where you're at, and you're still not to where you want to at. You yeah. want to be at a billion in yep. five, ten years. It's like you probably will be. You're just delaying the gratification even longer. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean, we'll probably give most of it away. Like it's uh, to me, it's just fun to build something. And it sounds really cliche, but I like making money for good people. Like. You know, if it's a good person, that's an investor in our shares, which all are, because I vetted them thoroughly. (laughs) And I still vet if somebody wants to buy shares. Like yesterday, we had some guys like, hey, can I buy some shares from this person? And we have to approve it. And I vet them. Um, So if I can make money for good people and they do good things with it, that that's a win. That makes me feel good. Yeah. Simple as that. Is that what that's what motivates you then to keep keep going? Hundred percent. Every day. You know, Lacey and I give a lot, and we advise people that we love to give and. And, you know, I think we're, I'm here for a purpose and it's to, to do good in the world. So yeah, 
Yeah. Shout out to Lacey who Yeah, Lacey. Yeah. Yeah, Tom from North Dakota. <laughs> Tommy's, right? There's or, not there's not a whole lot of us out there, yeah. but we we flock apparently around. So That's right. no, yeah, she's good. the best. Yeah. I uh um and you guys are in Scottsdale. We're we're still up in North Dakota, but you know, one day we'll 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 probably venture around. We're not really sure what what our yeah. long-term plans are, but uh you know, so what you know, another question, you know, what is one of your best investments and what's one of your worst? Hmm. Start with the worst. Okay, let's do it. Uh, I, we were, so we had a, tw- it, Holdings was probably worth 20 million and there was this helicopter company. This is when I was good at a lot of things, but not great at anything. And there was a <laughs> helicopter company publicly traded and it tanked after oil crashed, right? And there was like 2 billion in assets and it was selling at like a $200 million market cap, like $10 a share. Wow. So I threw a million bucks in. We turned it to two. The starting sounds good. It gets worse. It went to $20 <laughs> and we sold in like 10 months. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. Perfect. Double yep. our money. That was best investment almost. Then it started to drop. And the model, hey, it's the same company. Went down to 13 or $12. Okay. okay. So I put a million back in. Went to 10. Put another million in. Went to 8. Put another million in. Wrong management came in. when It, hit, it went to 5 there was supposed to be an exit, so it would have actually, I would have made it six. Oh. It was announced. Life was good. I'm like, dang, perfect. There was an announcement, a big merger. And last minute, it's a management switch. They called it off. They basically parachuted the CEOs and everybody out with the big paychecks. And then they turned the, they, they had 50 to, they had like 100 million in their checking account. They purposely missed a $20 million interest payment and they, went into bankruptcy and gave it to the debtors. And then the debtors sold it for like $3 billion. So there's So I led a huge class action lawsuit and we won, but it took three years and we got 10 cents on the dollar. So we lost. So that we lost 15% of our portfolio roughly. Right. Uh, and that was pretty devastating time. And, and that's when I learned to, you know, do more focus and have a little more control. Yeah. So that was my worst investment. Uh, best investment. I mean, gosh, those apartments were pretty good. The stocks were pretty good. <laughs> I'd say my most unique investment. Well, you were just so young. Like how, you know yeah. what I mean? Like that's the cool part. You were my, in high school. I think a fun story and a unique investment was Warren Buffett always had uh, these insurance companies and he would invest the flow. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I want to buy an insurance company. So I went on the NASDAQ and I searched all the insurance companies and I found one that was selling at a $25 million valuation market cap. And they had a $50 million book value. Wasn't big enough. So... The big guys didn't have any interest and they were oh. selling at a discount. Okay. There was only 200 shares being sold a day, low volume. So I started buying shares, the holding company, and we ended up uh, becoming the largest shareholder. What, what percentage is that? Uh, well, the family had 20%. So okay. we got to that. Okay. And, but uh, we had to like show, we had to tell the state because it's insurance commission is state run and it's very strict, like oh. takeover and stuff I was learning along the way. You're supposed to do it at five. <laughs> you just buying shares? Well, you're supposed to do it at 5%. I got the 10% and I got a letter. I'm like, oh, my bad. Like, oh, like I played dumb. Yeah, I'm okay. well, what am I? What am I supposed to know? <laughs> anyway, so I fly down to Elba, Alabama. It's where this company is. They got $75 million in annual revenue. They got 90 employees. Oh, geez. $150 million book. And uh, so I fly down. I'm like, hey, like, this is me. They're like, they didn't know who this was. They were all nervous. Like if it was a takeover <laughs> person, here I show up. Oh, yeah. I was like 22, 23. Hey, it's me. Holy <laughs> and shit. So I'm like, hey, I'd really like a board seat. And so they're like, hey, I mean, we have a bylaw that says you got to be 30, but we can change that. But the state commission, insurance commission has a rule too, like NASDAQ, like you got to be 30. Like it's like a rule. So I'm like, well, how do I change that? 30? Yeah, apparently. That's an 
Really? Yeah. So I'm like 22. I'm like, well, how do you change that? So they're like, well, you got to like go to Montgomery and like do court hearings and like get an exemption. So I spent a year to two years. I had audits. Oh. Uh, I went and did a few court hearings and I got the exemption. I was 24 and joined the board of a oh, public company. Oh my gosh. And the goal was to actually do a reverse merger that make that my Berkshire and be public. Uh, but then I found out that the board of 12 people that were all descendants from the founding fathers, there wasn't much getting done. It was kind of slow moving. So uh, I realized that, you know, me, this is too clunky. There's too much yeah. family dynamics and we needed to get bigger or not be public because it was just too small. So then I got a couple people together. We convinced everybody to sell, got an investment banker, and we sold it to a billionaire out of California for like 53, 53 million uh, in uh, early 21, 22. And thank goodness, because remember, insurance companies have bonds. If mm. interest rates have skyrocketed, <laughs> that book value must be next to zero. Because like the Federal Reserve, oh. Federal Reserve lost $1 trillion this last year and a half on their bonds. Like the Federal Reserve should be bankrupt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I they changed the they rules. Keep, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're a trillion down. That's never a deflationary thing because they're going <laughs> to capitalize that and spread it out for 30, 40 years. Oh, yeah. 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 For sure. Well, we'll, we'll pay for it. Yeah. Or pay for it through inflation. inflation. Our dollar will yeah. just... If you have dollar under your couch, maybe not yet, but you got to put it to work because inflation, your dollar will be worthless. Right. Well, since you bring that up, and I like that as your best investment. So you had a good exit. I mean, yeah, yeah, it was fun. And, it and was, you got out of it. It wasn't the best. It was a good return. Yeah. I've had some way better returns just because of silly deals, but that was a, that was a funny one. That was, a, that was my most, it was a lot of work, a lot of strategic. Holy. You know, that's a lot of learning too. Oh, I learned a lot. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you got to be 30? Like, that's a rule? Yeah, let's change that. Yeah, here you are, 24. It's like, oh, I'm going to walk into the board, and yeah. and then you're into a family, and oh, man. Yeah, it was really cool, though. Alabama, yeah. Alabama, I spent a lot of time in Alabama. They have a lot of uh, Waffle Houses. I always hate there. <laughs> waffle Houses. That was my go-to. Yeah, here comes Andrew. Yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's awesome. So uh, you mentioned, though, like, you know, inflation's going to be around for a while. It's going to be killing so. cash. People are... People are sitting on cash too, though. They're not. They're sitting on it in high yield savings accounts, buying mm -hmm. bonds. I don't know really what, you know, they're sitting on it. It's hard to compete with a 5% interest. And that's where, yeah. Right. The stocks where the valuations of stocks right now are way too high because the stock market's expecting interest rates to come down. That's how it's priced. Gotcha. So if they're wrong, it will happen. And, and all this cash is sitting there because all these asset values are still elevated. Mm -hmm. People, sellers are. I don't know. The cap rates are obviously still skewed. They're coming up, but they aren't where they should be. Yeah. Is that, that's going to take all of 24, you think? I mean, should people be sitting on cash and be waiting till 24 comes? Or where, where would you recommend right now with someone with a million dollars in cash? Yeah. You know, it's, it is hard. Nobody knows, right? I'm not a believer in time in the market. But, you know, I'd say this would be the best time to hold cash short term here. Okay. Uh, this could be more of a balance sheet recession. So it's more of just a, you know, like you said, there is liquidity out there in cash. You know, it's 40% of new printed money slushing around the system. Yeah. And all of the, st the states still have $950 billion left to spend, and they've got to spend it by the end of 25. Well, that's all done in infrastructure, which is jobs. Which yeah. Is, so there's a lot of money out there, and that's why we're not in a recession yet, I think, is because okay. of that. So yeah, I'd say, you know, have your cash. Uh, I'd say over the next 12 to 20 months, you know, you should see some opportunity. And remember... If the market does 0% growth and inflation is 10%, that's a 10% drop. So don't look at the market in a year and say, what the heck? Andrew said it's going to drop. It's a, it, didn't, it didn't go or went up 5%. It's like, well, real and nominal returns, people. We got to start thinking about that. Yeah. We haven't. 
had to do that before. Yeah. And then the tensions with China, China would be better if we, if a war was delayed because they're getting stronger. The U S would be better if it happened now, which sounds horrible because I don't want a war. I'm just saying if we had to have yeah. a war, that would be, and that, that also you're going to have a flight. The only reason our tenure would go below four and a half, which is Florida today is because people will flight to safety oh. when wars happen, sure. which would be our bond. Bonds. But then again, people are wondering like, are they really going to pay this? Cause they have a lot of debt. And that's where the U.S. has to pay more interest to entice people to buy the bonds because are they going to pay it or not? And if they do pay it, maybe they're just going to inflate it away where holding debt is not going to be a good place to be an inflationary. You do not want to hold, be a holder of debt because if money inflates, it inflates your debt away. And so. Gotcha. So like Hope debt, that answered, I guess, debt on assets, it would be. You don't want to be the owner of debt. Owner of debt. Yeah, okay. You can have debt. Yep. You know, if you have a if you have a house mortgage at three percent for thirty years, your house is going to inflate to five x. Not because of the, the intrinsic value, just because of what it's bought and sold in the dollar. Gotcha. Well, if you're borrowing at three, you're going to make arbitrage just on inflation to interest. Gotcha. Owning it, the guy Owning that it. has that debt that gave you the debt. Uh, you know, he doesn't want it. That's a bad deal. The banks. He's going back. And the banks have sold it to bonds. So some bondholder, <laughs> Wall Street dude, I mean, everything's resold thousands of times. Oh, yeah, yeah. Somebody yeah. out there is pissed off. And they're like, damn it. <laughs> someone, someone bought a lot of, yeah, yeah a well, lot of cheap bonds. The, and The bonds already, the bond market's already crashed 80%. Yeah, that's true. Values, right? Yeah. So there's already been a crash in right. just bonds, and nobody talks about it. Yeah, I, uh, well, you know, I think, and, and, and just everything is unaffordable. I think that's dry powder on the sidelines. I think every valuation of every company is still high. All the assets are still high. It's fake. I, but I always think about like in 2020, like, or like when the fort, when the freaking sky rocket of stock market, you know, everyone's like, Whoa, that always happens early. after inflation too. Right. It happens. Yeah. The baby boomers are like, can, you know, all yep. retiring and that's our best workforce out there. Yep. And so now we're losing all them. And, uh, and then all of a sudden the stock market comes back down and now it's been like, level from 2019 to like now like, and you had inflation it's actually down 30 percent. correct so i like how you said that it's like down actually you're down if a you're lot. doing the same the last four years you're down quite a bit yeah unfortunately yeah and that's and everything's manipulated like look at look at japan so the only reason our tenure took so long to get to four and a half is because japan had a delayed quantitative tightening they were in quantitative easing because they have more debt than anybody, and they basically had a free pass to inflate their debt away. So they let inflation soar. Gotcha. So what happened is all the Japanese government and, 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 and citizens, they were buying our bond, putting oh. pressure on it because their bond was next to nothing. Yep. Well, then when they started tightening, then they took their money back, and that's when they our interest Sell the bonds up. or whatever they yeah, do with it. Because, again, if there's a lot of people buying our bonds, interest bond rates go the opposite. And gotcha. And flip. So, Got it. Yeah, we uh, we're in a, we're in a little bit of a nightmare, but I think you 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 got to get your money working for you somehow. And yeah. if you're going to be doing the same for the next two years, even after that, like you said, twelve to twenty months, mm -hmm. you should be some opportunity. I mean, here. it could be flat though. The stock market yeah. could, just but that's a win because if you're making five percent of your checking account, do not like I do. Cash is trash. I'm just <laughs> saying right now. You're making five percent, right? And nothing's trading where it should. Yep. So you're ahead. Yeah. But once things correct, then you should take out and put put it to work in some in yeah. some real estate or. Stock. Do you see a big dive coming? Like, do you actually see like a huge like? I mean, not like an 08, because that was pretty dramatic. Yeah, 08 was I don't similar. Feel that, but 08 was similar to the the Great Depression. Yeah. And after the Great Depression, for most of the 30s, interest rates were also next to nothing, and then you had the 40s, 50s. So it's happened before. <laughs> we're just going into it. Um, you know, I don't know. 
a correction needs to happen. Yeah. It could be a rolling correction. Okay. Because we're kind of in that right now. It's just even being flat for six. It, from 1970 to 1980, the stock market went up zero, inflation adjusted, the last decade. Gotcha. 10 years, inflation adjusted, went up zero, roughly. Wow. So I think you're just going to have something more like that. And I think the market, the general market is where it's at, but there's a lot of buys already. I mean, the, the what a magnificent seven, they call them. Yeah. If it wasn't for those, the market's down a lot. Like, it's just a few companies holding it up. Okay. So there's a lot. Like, I, there's plenty of companies I know that are down 50, 60% already that are good companies. Yeah. So, and again, I'm not in the market. It's correcting. But, you know, in real estate, I'm hearing a lot of people say now, like, we're trying to buy land. We have one site. It was nine and a half million a year ago for dirt in California to build a $30 oh, million dollar project. And we didn't do it. She called me up last week. I was like, hey, you know, can we meet up? So she flies in and we sit down for breakfast. Um, and she said, how about, you know, five, five? And we're just like, you know, so we're going to go back. We're going to send her an offer this Friday for four million bucks. <laughs> and but the comments you're hearing are, I just don't I want to make a little bit for all my time. OK, that that that, that that's going to change to I just don't want to lose much. Uh, you know, so we're seeing it happen. <laughs> We've made five offers for hundred million dollars the last few weeks on land. We haven't got one, but I see that it's getting closer. You get a call back soon. It's getting they're, they're calling back. I put some offers on deals and they're, they're like, you know, let's, Hey, let's try to get this done. Let's, uh, yeah. let's figure out how to get to, yeah. it's like <laughs> come down in price. I yeah. mean, or give me like super favorable terms. Yeah. And every one of them says, you know, interest rate will drop. You know, it's, of course they're just trying to sell the project. It's like, I'm not taking that risk. <laughs> I'm not doing Even it. if I'm wrong and interest rates do drop back down. I'm not taking that risk. I yeah. take 5% of my checking account right now. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it's not my matter. problem. Yeah, yeah. The, the If you're right, I'll pay for it then. I'm not going to pay for it now. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. Um, what's one of your biggest fears? For the future? Let's just say in general. Yeah. In general, worldwide, I mean, it'd be the nuclear nuclear war. I mean, okay. I think that's the biggest threat to humanity. Yep. Um, you know, in, in, in business, I, you know, my biggest fear as a country also would be our, where we are with debt. And... And the American citizens reliant on debt personally, oh, yeah. credit cards and all these things. I mean, we are we are an economy of credit. Another worry I have is they've they've kept extending the amortization length of mortgages to make things affordable, and that's not the answer. It actually it, it hurts because back in the 30s, I think they were like five year AMS, and then in the <laughs> 80s it, they were like we should do 15 and 20 year AMS. Now it's 30. My worry is their solution to this unaffordability is let's make a 50 year amortization. That'll help. No, it doesn't. Help for a little bit. And then everybody's just going to jack prices up till it doesn't. Yeah, right. So, yes, it's great for guys with money. Yeah. But it's so sad for the American citizens. Right. I, yeah. Think of the people graduating college with yeah. 100 grand in student debt and then try to go buy a $400,000 house with an 8% mortgage. Yeah. If they do 50 years, it sounds good now, but it's yeah. like 50 years. <laughs> 50, yeah. So You're the, never going to own it. Yeah. The distance between intrinsic and real assets, like I said, is, is, getting, is getting out of hand. And I think we could have a generation of those of that gap tightening. And so you just you just got to be in the right things. I'm just really worried about inflation turning into hyperinflation. Yeah. Worried about losing the, the global currency and what kind of could do to the markets and valuations. Um, but again, I am a positive person. I'm not a yeah. doom and gloom guy, I promise. So I'm going to keep on keeping on. But, uh, you know, we are just in a... We are in a bad spot. We've been spending money like drunken sailors. Oh, geez, I like that. Yeah, we. Uh, it's it is, and and I, I like that you're very much an entrepreneur. You're very much optimistic. But oh, it's yeah. like 
this is just the history of what it's telling us right now. Yeah. Cash um, is like oxygen. It's when you have it, don't think about it. When you don't, it's all you can think about. So <laughs> I don't like cash, but I do keep it on hand. I have low leverage. I I'm in the game for a thousand years, hopefully. Yeah. What, what I'm building, I want to go forever. Yeah. You know, and that's where I'm okay with 15, 20% annualized returns, which is high, but you have some people shooting for way higher using leverage. You know, that good luck with that. Yeah. What, uh, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Company wise? Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully, you, you know, personally, my beautiful kids hopefully uh, still love me. And I'm yeah. sure they will, though. I spend a lot of time <laughs> with them. Beautiful wife and I, everything will be hopefully still good there. I mean, obviously, that takes work just like anything. And mm-hmm. so that's a big, the main yeah. goal. Relationship. Okay. Yeah. Relationship I like that. Those are good ones. Uh, you know, I have the five Fs fitness, family, friends, finance, and what was a faith, right? Faith. So mm-hmm. trying to stay a little more fit. You should have seen me a year ago. I, I've lost some weight. I'm proud of that. So keep oh, that, that off. That's a good You're working out. Working out, staying healthy, try to be around for yeah, a while. Yeah, hey, as you get closer to 30 and at right after, I'll just tell you it. Yeah, I know. It's hard. You've got to work really hard to like... So I'm starting that. Yeah, I eat a cheeseburger. My ass jiggles for like a week now and I got <laughs> <laughs> to keep working it off. Fair enough. Yeah. But uh, company-wise, uh, you know, I'd like to hit that at least a billion valuation, you know, in the next 10 years. You know, we're at cool. 200 now and, you know, and um, billion plus. And, uh, you know, I'd like to get it to a trillion eventually. Wow. Uh, but again, with inflation, that'll make that goal easier because a trillion dollars won't be what it is today. Yeah. Uh, but that's long term. You know, it might take me 50 years to do that. So, yeah. Well, you got a lot of time in front of you. Yeah. And uh, stay healthy and keep doing smart things and yeah, taking care of yourself. And yep. uh, I love that. Um, one last question. What does and follow the herd mean to you? I think it goes back to whether a thousand people agree or disagree doesn't make you right or wrong. I think it goes back to temperament is more important than IQ, like we already talked about. Yeah. I think when you see a lot of people doing something, euphoria, um, it's usually a time to sit back and not do things. You know, doing things opposite. If you want to be different than the crowd, you've got to do things differently than the crowd. Yeah. Um, and I've been pretty good. I, you know, I think I have a little Aspergers or something. I don't notice much. <laughs> things around me, I'm kind of just, uh, oh, it sounds good. I got, I really don't care what everybody else does. <laughs> right. So I think that helps me a lot. Um, yeah. I guess, I mean, that's kind of broad, but yeah, yeah. I'd say those are the I, things I, that come I, to mind. I like that, man. Where, where does someone reach out to you if they want to learn more about Abernathy Holdings or just Andrew in general? Yeah. Facebook, I'm on, you know, uh, Twitter and the LinkedIn okay. and all that. Andrew Abernathy, EY at the end. Don't forget the EY. It's yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll link it below. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get you linked up. And then uh, AbernathyHoldingsCo.com, our website. Yeah, man. Dude. Appreciate you yeah. taking the time today. And uh, thank you. You're always inspiring to, I think, a bunch of young entrepreneurs, older entrepreneurs. Uh, dude, you're doing big things. I'm, I'm excited to see what you do. Appreciate it. I'm just learning and doing yeah. my best. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. See you.